BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Right Now-ish. I'm Pendarvis Hardshaw. What a week. What a year. I don't know how y'all deal with the anxiety that comes with major shifts in your world, but me? I, um, I laugh. Often. I'm not sure if it's a defense mechanism or what, but I can tell you this. It works. So, this week, that's what I'm going to do. And because the only thing better than laughing by yourself is sharing a laugh with someone else, I'll be joined by a person who is choosing to stand firmly in their joy as well. Luna Malbro is a comedian, musician, and she's studying to be a sex coach. Not only that, but she loves to talk politics. Actually, in 1970, there was this whole amendment that was trying to be passed to like end the Electoral College, but it was actually three segregationist senators that filibustered the whole thing because they knew the Electoral College would give white supremacists more power. So that's why we still have it. During the lead up to election night, we talked to Luna about what it means to choose joy. A simple statement that I connected with, and hopefully it'll resonate with you too. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Earlier this week, Luna Malbro co-hosted a virtual election night event for the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. 
the blue shift and the red mirage. And the red mirage is not me looking fly in this dress. Uh, the red mirage is the idea that a lot of the votes that actually show up in person on election day will skew more Republican. And the votes that are, came in early via absentee early voting may skew a little bit more Democratic or blue. The thing that really jumps out at me that caught my attention that I wanted to talk to you about is that you're hosting an event on election night. How did you come to this? Like, did you pull the short straw? Like, what? I know. Well, um, a good friend and fellow artist and performer, Baruch Horace Hernandez. When it comes to elections, I'm always like that kid in the back of the car that is like, are we there yet? And so tonight I might be like, do we know who won yet? Do we know who won yet? Baruch is my boo-boo. When Baruch called, it was like, oh, actually, you know, I'm an entertainer. I'm someone who makes sense of the world. So this is a way that I can just do what it, what it is that I do and try to provide some joy and light and laughter on that night, regardless of what happens. How do you even prepare for this? I, I think the thing is about staying present as much as possible. That's what I've keyed into and try to focus on, like, how do I find my light? And that's where humor comes in, because... Comedy has always been a coping mechanism for me since even before I was a comedian. My countryness doesn't always come out, but there's some random moments where it does come out. So when the vet told me, uh, you're going to have to put your cat down, do you want us to do it here? All of a sudden, my, in my head, I was like, I'm not going to pay some fancy schmancy cat doctor to kill my cat. I got to do that shit myself. You know, that was a... So then I had to Google, how do you kill a cat? Um... Which explains why I'm getting ads for Trump right now, you know? It's just like, oh, you don't like life. Did you think about Donald Trump? You know, like, it, it makes a lot of sense. I was a theater kid in a small town um, that didn't have a theater. <laughs> so I was a weirdo, basically. I would find ways to um, write sketches and, and do little skits and joke around with friends. And it just, it would just make me laugh. Like, just, just being in community. Do you ever get so high you start budgeting? That's what I did the other day. I was vibing, I'm like, oh, I'm that bitch, I'm that bitch. And then I was like, if I'm really that bitch, I need to get my finances in order. That was... And then I sat down and I'm like, I'm spending too much money eating out. Like, so in preparing for this, it's really just doing the same stuff I was, I've been doing, which is uh, being honest about the world around me and being honest about how it affects me. And then... Um, laughing through the tears. That's admirable. And I imagine, like, it has to be taxing because you can only laugh so much, right? Like, at some at some point, the, the laughter stops, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, at some point, the laughter stops. But I, f I feel like the humor uh, for me comes from, like, celebrating the resiliency of our spirit. And I know a lot of us are tired of being so resilient. It's like, you know what? I don't want to be resilient anymore. How about somebody else be resilient? And I feel like there's humor even in that. Like the shared um, emotions of, wow, like we're all going through it. And when I, can, when I can be honest with myself about like what I'm going through and my struggles and how the world is affecting me, then that may free someone else to be like, okay, I'm not the only one. What stands out to me in that comment is that not only are you, um, it's, it's an informed laughter. It's not just an ignorance is bliss. It's not just let's laugh and ignore it. It's a matter of you largely know the people that you've interacted with and you're basing your comedy on, off that. Is that what I'm gathering? 
You know, like I, I've based my comedy off of uh, people that I interact with, but mostly it's about my own um, neuroses or my own experiences and how I, I move through the world. I was walking down the street and a group of white people, there were four of them, okay? They were in a car. They yelled at me. They said, hey, why don't you go back to Nigeria? The first thing I thought was, oh my God. How did they know? You know? I've been plagued with guilt, you know, just really feeling like I need to reach out to my host family from my study abroad program and <laughs> I've just been really meaning to go back and I feel so guilty that I haven't. I feel like this is a sign. Namaste, thank you, thank you. I'm a black queer woman moving through the world and so I, it seems as though if one listens to my comedy it seems like I'm like comment, commenting on so many aspects of the world but I'm quite self-centered. It's about me. <laughs> Can you bring us into the work that you were doing in 2016 as you traveled across the nation? Sure. So um, in my exploration of genres and art and comedy in a lot of different ways, I stumbled upon um, Comedy Hack Day in which I won a competition by creating a, a dope satirical app that really explored the wage gap with a lot of great funny comedians and also techies. For centuries. And people of color have worked day in and day out only to be burdened by unequal pay for equal work. You're a black woman. You understand the harsh realities. So it was really amazing and it garnered international attention and it also garnered a lot of hate and a lot of haters. All have tried for years to solve the problem of wage inequality and all have failed. Until now. <laughs> Introducing Equipay. Splits bills fairly. No, really, fairly. So I, I stumbled upon this whole world of like an emerging uh, angry right wing that were saying things like um, white genocide at the very mention that there was a pay gap, right? At the very mention that, um, that there's a certain thing of, of white privilege that a black woman had the audacity to try to say like, oh, you should be charged for that. So through through those kind of uh, eye-opening realizations of like, oh, wow, like people are hearing things differently, I felt uh, emboldened and passionate to really explore and investigate how are people talking about privilege in Kansas? How are people talking about privilege um, in Colorado? So I got in my car like a crazy person and I drove across the country uh, having conversations with strangers and really trying to investigate like how do you see yourself? Like, what's your understanding of privilege? I'm also curious to understand like how both of you see privilege and like what that word means to you too. To me, privilege is the way in which someone walks through the world and what they are just given without any thought to, that other people don't receive that. 
And it was during a time of 2016 when um, a lot of folks were on that kind of Van Jones, like, we just need to be civil with each other. We just need to sit across the aisle from each other and have conversations. But what that fails to recognize is that for many people, it's unsafe to have those conversations. Like, I'm a Black queer woman. It's 2016. I still needed a green book, basically, essentially, to figure out what parts of the country would it be safe for me to drive through. And that trauma of that experiment kind of stayed in my body, you know, for the past four years. That, that experience of putting myself out there and the sake of doing art and having conversations and finding connections, like the fear that I felt of like, ooh, I'm not safe here, the signaling of unsafety. And one of the most fascinating um, Examples of that that still sit with me is uh, an experience I had when I was like in the middle of Utah, uh, friendly state, by the way, but hey, whatever. In the middle of Utah, uh, I was camping and a friend of mine happened to be with me at the time. We were trying to figure out what's a safe place to go, what's a safe place to camp. We finally found a spot, but there was a camper down the road with an American flag at 11 uh, o'clock at night, like... Just seeing an American flag was like, am I safe here? An American flag, not a Confederate flag, right? Not a Trump sign. When you think about what that means for uh, the fact that an American flag symbolizes unsafety to a black woman, I'm not going to say all black people, but, but to me, like, what is it about, like, the waving of that flag that symbolizes, hmm, maybe you're not safe? Like, there's a lot there that, that we can unpack and that we can explore. It's wild to me that, like, the American flag would cause that reaction within you at the same time you're doing this work, essentially, to make America a better place. Is that Did that ever stand out to you, that you were, like, you're doing kind of patriotic work, no? I mean, thank you, Pendarvis. That's very generous of you. <laughs> I think, you know, people have told me that I'm doing very patriotic work, and I, I've, I, w- I mean, I guess I wouldn't call it patriotic because I actually don't. I don't know, I guess I never used that word to describe myself, but uh, the goal is to root forth an understanding that could definitely help more people feel safe and seen in this country. From that experience, I got super focused on safety and trying to figure out, like, what do I need to do to, like, be super safe? You know, there's there are people watching, there are things brewing. Um, white supremacists are radicalizing, <laughs> and they're getting more, and they're, like, targeting folks who are speaking out in many different ways, that became clear to me. And then over the past few years, I've just realized, you know, safety is an illusion. I was never safe in this country, and I won't be. So let me just live my life to the fullness of what I could do and be and grow and expand and say what I have to say because, you know, um, <laughs> they're going to do what they're going to do regardless of how safe I try to be, right? Like walking, sleeping in my bed essentially should be safe. But for Breonna Taylor, it wasn't. Like, walking around my neighborhood um, essentially should be safe, but for Habad Aubrey, it wasn't. So if we can't be safe doing those things, well, I might as well make some people mad along the way and just do what I want to (laughs) do. After this election, what do you expect to come? What's the future? What does the future hold? I'll tell you, I don't know what the future holds for you, but I know for me... I'm trying to build a commune. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm just trying to like grow my own food. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm going to still be rooting in joy and I'm going to still be focusing on liberation 
in whatever ways that may need to shift or adapt. When we look at the, the span of history, we see that there have always been moments where things have been dark, where people have had to face many, many different dark things. And we, all, we always make it through. We always keep going. I'm, I'm trying to have that view on everything, and I'm trying to just be one of those people that moves, helps people move forward with joy, as much joy as we possibly can have. So um, that's what I'm focusing on, regardless of what the results of the election are. Thank you to Luna for your work as well as your time. To keep up with all that Luna has going on, follow her on Twitter at LunaIsAmerica. Big time thank you to the producers behind this interview, Asal Asanapur, Kiana Mogadam, and Marisol Medina Cadena. Thank you to our editor, Jessica Plachik, and the engineer, Rob Spate. Hats off to the engagement team, Lena Blanco, Sarah Pineda, and Vita Kong. Shout out to the KQED execs who support this show, Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. My name is Pendarvis Harshaw, and I'm the host of Right Nowish. Peace. Right Nowish is a KQED production. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.